Counterattack Podcast with me, Daps. Um, where shall I start today, guys? Um, keep liking, subscribing, sharing. Guys, and I need you to like and subscribe and keep sharing. Keep sharing the content because good stuff is happening and I just need, you know, the engagement. I need the comments. Like, the comments seem to be flying. All of a sudden, they just stopped now. So we need the comments to come back. Um, we need the engagement. Just, like, just, just, just talk to me, guys. Let me know because I know you're you're enjoying the content. Um, let me know what I need to improve on. Let me know what you're not liking so much. But um, yeah, we're gonna get into that. Make sure you check out the documentary. Obviously, this is where I do all my housekeeping stuff, all my admin before we get into it. Make sure you check out the documentary "Son of the Soil" and it's out now on my channel, Counter Attack Podcast. This channel right here. Make sure you check it out. Um, comment on it. Let me know what you think of it. And that's basically just an eye-opener into what I can do in the documentary space. And stay tuned for another doc- another documentary. So, right, we're going to get straight into it. Transfer window is rounding up. So, it's rounding up later on tonight. I'm recording this on Tuesday evening. The time as it stands is 10 to 7. So, we're going to start, yeah, because like I said, I wasn't even going to record today, man. I was going to leave it for a day or so, but I'm, I feel a bit perturbed. I feel a bit ugh, annoyed. And it's not for the reasons that people might think. Because if we go back last week, Arsenal were interested in Moses Casiedo. And... um you know, Chelsea were also interested in him. And I actually think Arsenal only bid for him because they saw that Chelsea were bidding for him. And I think that they were interested in him, but when once they saw that Chelsea were, were trying to do it, I think it maybe it maybe um make it maybe made them make make a bid now as opposed to the summer when they probably would have made a bid anyway. So anyway, they make a bid. Brighton say we are not selling under no circumstance, under any circumstances. Cool. Chelsea seem to have pulled out. Fair enough. Arsenal come back with an improved bid. Brighton, we are not selling. All right, then, cool. Right. The first problem I had with this <coughs> is once, once they've said they're not selling, and, okay, so there's two things here, yeah? Because of the position that we find ourselves in, because of the position that Arsenal find themselves in in regards to being first in the league at this point in the season, what you're hoping for is that, do you know what? We're gonna, we're just going to spend the money needed to, to get us over the line. But at what point do you draw the line? Because you, they, didn't, they didn't expect to find themselves in first. But now that you're here and you're never going to get a better opportunity um, at this point of the season, five points ahead, you know, now that you're here, spend the money. So you'd much rather overspend on, um, overspend on a player that you know can improve the squad and get you over the line at this point rather than underspend and not do anything. I understand that. Cool. So, with with that being said, at the end of the day, the reason why my view on this is very different is because Arsenal, at the end of the day, are still a business. They're still a, a, a football club. Like, 
I, I, I understand that. And if Brighton are saying they are not selling, what you would hope for is that there's other targets. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. So far, everything is, um, is making sense to me. What I had a problem with was suddenly, it's like, oh, Edu out. Listen, I get frustrated with the best of, you know, the best of fans when it comes to some of our transfer activity. Mudrick, I didn't really know much about Mudrick, but if you're going to go after him, you go after him properly. And there's the small bits that I've seen of him, you know, um, he looked he looked good. So, okay, cool. We missed out on him. We end up getting Trossard for, for less money. So, Arsenal fans, oh, Trossard, because uh, it weren't Mudrick. Bearing in mind, I know a lot of people have not seen Mudrick play. Not to say Mudrick is not good, but they've not seen Mudrick play. But that's the one that is is being hyped up right now. So that's the one they wanted. So when we got Trossard, it was just like, ah, it's not Mudrick. And then Mudrick, came, I mean, Trossard came on against United, did wait. Oh, Trossard's looking, do you know what I mean? All right, so why don't you just see how things play out? I get that we're not always going to have things go our way in the transfer window. That's every single club. Every single club can go and talk about, you know, some of the players that they've missed out on. But I'm sorry, I, I can't, I'm not, it's like they want to see Arsenal drop 100 mil for Casiedo, where when you take a step back, and again, guys, I would have loved Casiedo in my team. But when you take a step back, this guy has played 26 games in the Premier League. He's played 26 games and you want to pay 100 mil for him. Or you want, like, how much is, like, where do you draw the line? So everyone's like, Edu out, Edu out, and whatever. But at what point do you say, nah, this is it, okay. And on top of that, Brighton don't want to actually sell. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's that. Cool. And then you get to the part where it's like, you now have to look for alternatives. So it came out yesterday. It comes out yesterday that Arsenal are linked to Jorginho. And again, Jorginho, I like him as a player. Would I have thought that Arsenal would have gone in for him? No. But anyone that's been listening to this podcast for years knows that I've been a big fan of him. When Spence was here on the podcast, Spence was a big fan um, from the Napoli days. So I'm like, oh, okay. Jorginho's not a bad player. But there's this narrative going round that he's an awful player. There's a narrative going round that it's a bad signing. And I'm I'm not sure, like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm not sure where this whole thing of Jorginho being a bad signing is coming from. I understand the players that, you know, you were linked with. I understand the players that, you know, Arsenal were linked with, you know, Casiedo. I, I understand that you wanted him and you wanted him for however much, whatever price, whatever price Brighton was saying, pay it. But if Brighton are saying he's not for sale at any, you know, option, I I, I understand your frustrations. But I, I, just, I just don't understand how someone who ultimately, you know what? Let's, let's talk about that. There's been this thing that Jorginho is coming into maybe replace party or take no he's he's cover he's 
he's adding to the squad. Do you get what I'm saying? And at, at the end of the day, right now, where we are in the season, with a very young team, we do actually need experienced heads. We need heads who have been there. Heads who can come in and just steady the ship. We're not, we're not bringing Georgina in to come and start every game and, and be captain, no. But he's another experienced buddy who's been there, done that, and can play. And someone who Arteta ultimately believes can fit the style. Someone who he ultimately believes can, you know, improve the squad. And something that's come out is that everyone within the squad is happy about it. Do you know what I mean? They're over the moon about it. Like the players, the coaching staff, to get a player like Jorginho who has played in finals, who come third in Ballon d'Or, like he's not a bad player. And once again, I understand where where people wanted to go with the transfers and whatever, but this is a guy who is more experienced than Moses Cassiedo, who for me is one for the future. He's one for the future. But if we're talking about now where we are and like in this present moment, you need experienced heads to get us over that line. And Jorginho, whether you like it or not, is that. I get he has weaknesses. People are always talking about, oh, he can't run. Oh, he's not, um, he's not as athletic as party. But you're not asking him to be athletic as party. Do you get what I'm saying? We're, we're, bringing, him, we're bringing him in as cover. We're bringing him in as another squad member. And ultimately, the people who, if we didn't buy him, if we didn't get him and we just were happy about Cassiedo, you know, missing out on Cassiedo and we didn't bring anyone else in, there would be complaints. But in January, where you're, it's, it's very hard to get top players in January anyway, you then bring in someone who ultimately is better than Sambi Lokonga, is better than El Nenny, whether you want to admit that or not. So you're bringing these players in to, and, you know, he's, he's a player that's, that improves the squad, but People still want to complain. And with, with me, like we've been there with, I remember Odegaard last year. Odegaard came in on loan, did all right. We then bought him um, permanently and people were complaining because they wanted Madison. And not to say Madison ain't good, but look how Odegaard turned out. And now all those people that were talking mad about Odegaard are, are loving him. Do you get what I'm saying? We saw the same thing with Trossard. We saw the same thing with Ramsdale. Like, at, at what point, at what, okay, so when we missed out on Martinez, I even saw the same thing with Zinchenko. Like, at what point do we just say, do you know what? We're not happy with what we saw. We would have preferred this or we pre preferred that. But let's just see how it, how it plays out. Sometimes I cannot believe the meltdown. It's been a full-blown meltdown on social media and, and stuff. In my group chats, people are talking as if we've signed Jemba Jemba. Arsenal have not signed Jemba Jemba. Arsenal have signed a, a, a proven Premier League quality player. And I believe in time people will see that. That's me saying, again, I'm not saying that he's, would, he's first on the list of players. Yes, I would have wanted all these other players, but if you can't get them, then at least get someone in that ultimately improves and will hopefully get us over the line. So what's going to happen now is that, God forbid, Arsenal don't get over the line. People are going to say, oh, this is why you should have paid the money for Cassiedo. We're not even sure Cassiedo, who is also another young, very inexperienced player, 
is the player needed to get Arsenal over the line and win the Premier League? We're not even sure about that. But yet we're so sure that Jorginho ain't it. So um, I, I, I just want us to, you know, sometimes just take a step back and and just accept that we let's just see how things have have planned have have panned out. Most signings that Arsenal have made, bar Jesus, yeah, most signings that Arteta have made recently, there's always been some sort of you know discontent with it. You know, I, listen, I love I love Arsenal, but sometimes the fan base can be can be very you know on edge and very. Um, what's the word, impulsive and reactionary. Like, look, Arteta's got us here. I think there's enough credit there in regards to where we are in the league. There's enough credit there to at least see how it happens. And if, if, it, if it shows, if it turns out that it was a bad decision, look, great example. Last year, we got rid of Aubameyang, didn't bring in a striker. And that was a very bad idea. Very bad idea. So, like, and he had to hold that. He almost lost his job because we missed out on Champions League and stuff like that. Like that was bad, like, and and it turned out horribly wrong. This year they're actually trying to do something. If they didn't bring anyone in, I would understand. They tried, and if, the, if teams don't want to sell players, then you know. Anyway, <coughs> I've said enough. On, I've, I've said enough on on that. But I'm putting myself out there now, and I'm saying, Jorginho will be a good buy for us. He's 31, experienced. And another thing, why do people act like 31 is suddenly like the like you're, you're finished, you're done? No. 31, no. you like, uh, mate, when you look at some of the best midfielders in the world who keep going and over the years that like, have been, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Standout players. When you look at them in their latter years, they're, they're still balling out because of their experience. Not only do they have the quality, but they got the experience to go along with it. And 31 on an 18-month contract. I think before we used to give these guys three years and stuff like that. 31 on an 18-month contract um, with the option, obviously, if it goes well, is not bad business. So um, we'll see how, how that goes. And, you know, I, I'm putting myself out there now and I'm saying... Jorginho will be, he he would he would be okay for us. It's not all doom and gloom. Do you know what I mean? Yes, we would have liked other players, as I said, but in January, where are you finding experienced heads? Where are you finding, mate, the guy's played 26 games, Casiedo. And again, I want him, but he's played 26 games. And we're going mad, wanting to pay 70 mil, 100 mil, whatever, for guys that's played 26 games. Listen, I, I don't, I, I don't know. The world's gone mad to me, but guys, you lot, let me know what what you think about the Jorginho um, transfer. You know, once again, I'm going to say this bit, and this is the bit that I'm probably going to clip up. The outrage. It, let's let's just tone it down a bit. Jorginho is not the player that you know Arsenal fans might have wanted after being linked with Casiedo and what and whatnot and whatnot, but. Casiedo has played 26 games. I keep saying it. Jorginho is proven Premier League quality. 26 games at this level is not is not proof for me. Do you know what I'm saying? He's played Jorginho's played at the highest level. Get me? Winning 
coming third in Ballon d'Ors and and whatnot. And I get he has his weaknesses, but I think we need to, we just need to see how it how it how it plays out because I I don't know I, the outrage. I've been surprised by it. I've been very very surprised by it, and um, you know I just want people to when it it actually works if it works to just keep that same energy. So um, yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, friend of the podcast, Sambi Lokonga, um, going to Crystal Palace, and I think that's a great move for him. Um, I messaged him earlier on, got a message back. I'm not going to say what that message says because I can see, I'm, as I'm looking at Sky Sports News, the move hasn't finalised, so I can't say what the message said. But um, that's going to be a good move for him. I feel bad for him because... Um, anyone that has played football at any level knows how important it is to have games in order to get rhythm. He's played three, four times in, in the last couple months. He's he's obviously not going to be looking up to it. He's obviously not going to be match fit. He's not going to be match sharp. And he looked off it against Man City and made a couple mistakes. But these things are going to happen when you're called upon, you know, every couple months. It's not like he's been getting run outs here and there. No, he hasn't. So I think a good run of games in the Premier League will will do him wonders. I think he will come back and um he will come back a, a better player and we're gonna see the quality that he actually has at Crystal Palace. I'm so 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 sure of it because listen, I've been on social media and you know, people message me all the time when it comes to, you know, Lokonga, you know, his performance against Man City and, and stuff like that. But that's a quality player right there and you don't lose that quality overnight. And so a loan move, I think everyone agrees, is definitely good for him and definitely what's needed. And um, hopefully, you know, he comes back a better a better player and shows the Sambi Lukonga that we all know is is there and the, and the potential that we saw when, um, when we got him. Yeah, hopefully. So... That's me on Arsenal. Guys, let me know what you think on if I how I've summed up. If you think I'm absolutely mad and you know and my views are nonsense and whatever, then let me know. If you agree, also let me know because I felt passionate about that today because I was so confused. I was like, wait, when did Jorginho become this horrible player? When did we buy Jemba Jemba? Like, I, I don't know when did he become Jemba Jemba when did he become Winston Bogard and all that and all them oh, t- listen listen mate I don't think it's another David Luiz situation I don't think it's another William situation I don't think it's another Peter Cech situation um, but again let's just see how, how and you know what I think as well because of how those previous situations have turned out that is what is messing this up you know, that is what is making, you know, the Arsenal fans receive this transfer the way it has. But, yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see. I think it's a good signing. And I'm not that Arsenal guy. Like, oh, every signing, but let's just see. Okay. Right. What else is on the agenda? I've spoken about Arsenal. No more Arsenal, hopefully. Um, Man United. I'm getting Sabitza from Bayern Munich. 
as it stands, is it done? I don't think it is. Uh, yeah, no, it's not done. But I think once they saw that Christian Eriksen um, got injured, how he did, I think they were just like, yeah, we need cover. And to be honest, Sabitz is a good, he's a very, very good, a very, very good buy. Oh, loan. You know, if you're, if you're going to bring in a loan option, bring in someone who has enough about him where they will probably just fit right in. You know, he plays for Austria. He's been around for how, however long. He's he's experienced. He's he can buy. He's he's played in teams at the highest level. So Bayern Munich, and I, I really do believe he'll just you know fit into whatever Ten Hag is you know is is asking of him. Is he direct Ericsson replacement? I don't know, but with loan options, you're just asking people to come in and be able to just do a job. So I think United, in regards to replacing him, and I was, I was listing on Sky that, you know, they got offered Isco, they got offered um, Yannick Carrasco, they got offered Auer. But Ten Hag, you know, saw Sabitza as the, as the player that he wanted from early and they've gone in and got him. So, you know, good bit of business there and Ericsson eventually will come back, obviously. So we'll see how you know, how that all that all um, comes into play and everything. So, um, yeah, goodbye. I've, I've not really got much to, to, to say about it. Like, it's a it's a good loan signing coming in. And, um, yeah, we're, we're just going to, we're just going to see. Big one, that's happening. Enzo Fernandez. Enzo Fernandez is, this one is crazy to me because, one second, yeah. This one is crazy to me because we're talking about 115 mil British transfer record for this midfielder. And do you know what? A lot has been said about what Chelsea have been doing in the market and how they're able to get around financial fair play. But they're actually, what they're doing, it reminds me of when Roman Abramovich first came. When Roman Abramovich first came, can you not remember where he legit and there was no financial fair play then if I'm if I'm um if I'm getting it right if I'm getting it right he came in and he just blew money fast he was just spending 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 like just rearranged the whole team and Todd Bowley is doing the same thing at Chelsea and for that reason I'm literally gonna Chelsea are going to be a problem maybe not this season because players are gonna need to settle in you know, um, and whatnot, but Chelsea are going to be a problem. And I don't like what they're doing, if I'm being totally honest, because you're literally just changing an entire team, throwing money around, and throwing money at it, and there's nothing fair about it. But you're also, you know, it's also very risky in regards to the contract. I wonder if they're going to give Enzo a long contract like that in in regards to getting around um, financial fair play. I wonder if they're going to do that with him as well. Um, because I, I was listening to TalkSport earlier on and they were saying in regards to the whole financial fair play stuff, it's it's done on like a, a three-year window and they're very close now to being at the, the, the edge of um, the amount of money that, that they can spend and whatnot. And this 105 mil is probably just going to tip it over the edge but obviously if they're going to spread out the payments 
or spread out the contract terms again, then that's how they're going to get a, around it. But it is, I just want to talk on that quickly. It is a very risky strategy because you're hoping that these players on these long, long contracts, if you're going to tie a player down to eight-year contract, seven, eight-year contract, you're, you're compensating them quite a bit. And you're asking that these players realise their potential, these young players realise their potential and go on to actually increase in value or become, you know, players, good, good players for Chelsea in, you know, over the course of those contracts. And if they don't, well, it's going to be hard to get rid of some of these players because of the money that they run. They're not going to get that elsewhere. And also, like, in terms of transfer fees, who's going to pay transfer fees for some of these players? You know, a lot of these players are just going to be happy to sit down and, and just hold the bench. Do you get what I'm saying? So, but anyway, Enzo Fernandez, very, very, very good player. Chelsea are just, they're going to get him. It's, it's looking likely that they're going to get him. Obviously, at the time I'm recording this, they're still trying to hash it out. You know, apparently they want to buy um, the player with six instalments. Benfica won it in two. Is it Benfica? I think it is Benfica. Yeah, won it in two, um, won it over two years, three payments. And um, I think it is Benfica, right? Yeah, Benfica. So <clears throat> I slightly don't want them to get him. I'm not going to lie to you because he's a very, very good player. Very, very, very good player. And then when you look at Chelsea, are just going to look so different next year. And like I said, I, I don't like what they're doing. And this is why it's even, this is why it's, it's an even bigger thing for Arsenal to win the league this year because next year, everyone's back, I believe. You're going to have Liverpool going to be back. You're going to have Chelsea definitely going to be back. Man United look like they're, they're cooking up something. Man City are always just going to be Man City. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to see. We're going to see. So Chelsea are doing that. And obviously, they have to offload players. And it's interesting because one of the players that was, you know, talked about leaving... As it stands, you know, he's not leaving. He was meant to go to Everton. It's, it's Conor Gallagher. Everton bid 40 mil for him. He said no. He didn't want to go there. And the other options on the table for him are all loan options. And Chelsea don't want another another loan for him. So I find it interesting that Conor Gallagher, and I've spoken on his podcast, well, when he was at Palace, just how much I liked him at Palace. Not so much at Chelsea, because I just don't feel like he fits their system. But it's interesting to see that Conor Gallagher is going for 40 mil. Like, honestly, the transfer prices right now are crazy. And it's all being driven right now by Chelsea. And, you know, that Man United, that Anthony, paying however much they paid for Anthony as well, has just distorted things. So, I'd... I'd when you're seeing someone with 26 appearance, I think Rio Ferdinand said it the other day, you know, to get new contracts and large fees, like transfer fees, you would have to show good performances over a number of years. Now, a good season and you're getting 70 mil price tags, you're getting crazy contracts and yeah, it's, it's crazy. I know I sound like an old head, I know I sound like I'm moaning, whatever, but I don't I just I just don't like it. I just don't like it. So, you know, they're looking like they're gonna get Enzo Fernandez and, you know, credit credit to them. Um next thing I wanna talk about, 
Make sure you like, subscribe, share. Make sure you comment on what you think I've just said or what you think about what I've just said. Um, Cancelo. Oof. So, this is an interesting one because Cancelo has been spoken up, uh, um, spoken up, and in in such a way where you know we've we've praised him as you know one of the better right backs in the world and and different quality, but it just hasn't seemed to work for him this um, this season. Even at the World Cup, he had a very poor World Cup. You know he's been um, he's been displaced at right back. Rico Lewis, young boy coming through, you know, even left back doesn't really play. And it's it's interesting to see in January a player of Cancelo's stature with his ability being allowed to go out on loan to Bayern Munich. It's it's just so interesting and it just it just goes to show that it just goes to show how quickly things in football can change. I have no doubt that he will soon regain form find form and then we're going to see the old Cancelo. Um, I don't think he's totally finished. I don't think, you know, I, I just think whatever has been going on has distracted him and affected his performances. But I know we're going to still see Cancelo. And, you know, apparently he's getting into arguments with Pep and stuff on the training, which is, which Pep has said, no, I'm not having that and got rid of him, which I'm here for. I'm actually here for. There's other managers who would stand for that, but regardless of who you are, no, no player is bigger than the club, regardless of your ability and whatnot. And for Pep to just be like, "Nah, you're out." You know what? Let me go and work with the players that I've got over here. You know, you're out. I respect it, but also it's interesting because it, in a way, it weakens the squad. Obviously, someone of Cancelo going, and. I think I said in the last podcast with Lamin and um, Scotty that I can't see this City team doing 20, 30 games, 20, 30 games, going 20 games unbeaten and putting on that mad run. I hope not, especially, you know, supporting Arsenal. But, you know, with Cancelo leaving, I'm looking at this squad, there's talks of Bernardo Silva um, possibly going, even though it looks like he's going to stay. You know, it, um, there's rumblings that um, things aren't all quite rosy in the camp. You know, I, I can't see City going, doing that mad run like they did in, the, I think it was a 2018-2019 season when they just won every game and beat Liverpool to the title. Um, I can't see that happening. And, you know, it's it's just going to be interesting to see how things play out to see how Pep manages the team to see how Pep manages the squad we know that he's got his eye on the Champions League so I think letting Cancelo go it might come back to to actually haunt them as well as Rico Lewis has um, has done he is very young and you know you know Cancelo can also play left back hence why they've been playing Ake there I'm sure if Pep had his way Ake wouldn't play left back Ake wouldn't play left back but with Cancelo um, playing how he's playing with Gomez not quite settling in um, as yet. Um, Ake's had to play there, so yeah, that's that's gonna be um, that's gonna be interesting as well. Also, um, whilst we're talking about fullbacks, so I put a tweet out the other day, yeah, and the tweet said, and it caused quite a bit of 
I didn't expect something so. Um, I didn't expect the reaction to be the way it was. So, basically, I was watching Brighton versus Liverpool. I think it was FA Cup. Yeah, F in the FA Cup, and Trent was was given a bad day. Trent had a bad day with um, dealing with Matoma. Matoma was just, you know, on fire and scored that ridiculous. You see that goal that he scored? That Matoma goal was ridiculous. So, oh, yeah, yeah. He, Matoma is a really top, 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 top player. You know, there's certain players where you can see his form and whatnot, but there's certain players you just know they got it. Matoma is that guy. He has just got it. And all throughout the match, he was just getting that trend. And I tweeted very early on in that match that Matoma has Trent's number and Trent knows it. And you can see in the way he defends. So Trent ended up getting dragged, substituted for Milner. And um, I remember tweets, I tweeted this. So I tweeted, I blame all you people that label Trent as the best right back in the world for his, dis for his current dis um, defensive struggles. Defenders should always be able to defend first. Everything else should come after that. Right. So, when I said that tweet about Trent, it wasn't me getting at him. Like, I just think that we put so much, not even me, because if you've been listening to my podcast and go through my tweets, you've seen that I've always had the same stance when it comes to Trent. Trent is not a good defender, but what he gives in the attacking sense is outrageous. But, for you to be labelled as the best in the world and not even be able to, you know, defend, it's, it's crazy. So when people were, were praising him as the best in the world, it's almost as if he didn't have to go and work on that. So now that his back is, 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 is up against it, his back against, is against the wall, he's having to learn on the job and he's having to learn under circumstances where every eye is on him. Oh, Trent can't defend, Trent can't defend. So even if he is having a bad day against um, Mitoma, which a lot of defenders have against Mitoma, it's magnified a hundred times because it's Trent. So when I said that, I wasn't saying it because to say that he's rubbish or whatever. Trent is outrageous. Trent is outrageous. But there's going to come a point where as a fullback, you need to be reliant, like you need to be able to be relied upon when it comes to defending which is why Gareth Southgate has never fancied him it's why Gareth Southgate you know what was it the, the, Euro, the, the European Championships where it was a toss of a coin if he's gonna make it or not do you know what I'm saying like he's he's never been this guy that, that can really really defend even when Liverpool were on top if you really watched it he weren't great when it comes to defence but he can go and banging a goal top bins or he can put in a mad pass and we gave we allowed we allowed that and that's why Reese James for me was always better because yes attacking wise he ain't doing what Trent's doing but he's still very very good attacking wise but do you know what when it comes to defending he can do a job if you take Reese James out and put him in England he's doing the exact same job if you take Trent out of Liverpool and put him in England you're not getting the same Trent because the system and the way that they play is very very different so you're asking you're asking for Trent to be the best version of himself you're asking for the team to play in a way that just caters to, to him which in this day and age is very hard to do 
because we know how much emphasis is put on the team structure. We know how much emphasis is put on, you know, um, systems and whatnot. So you're asking Trent to do all of these things and he ain't got it in him. He ain't got it in him. So, you know, I do believe he will improve. I do believe he'll, he'll come through this because he is a top player. But all of that, oh, he's the best in the world. He's the best. It just didn't help him. It just didn't help him. He, we gave him too much praise or not even praise. I, I don't want to say praise, but we put too much on him too soon. And I'm, for, for the record, I'm not even that guy that was saying Trent was the best in the world. Never, ever. I said he's outrageous, outrageous talent. But there's still, there's more, there's, there's two sides. And, and some of the tweets I was getting back. Okay, so someone said, which is why Ashley Cole is the greatest fullback to ever do it. 100%. 100%. I don't know ever because, you know, but in my life. Mm, okay, let me say, mm, because Maldini was still there. So, but I hear what you're saying. Ashley Cole 100% was one of the best fullbacks of the last 30 years. 100%. If not the best, there's an argument. So then people say, we're still blaming all of Liverpool's struggles on Trent. No, no one's blaming all of Liverpool's struggles on Trent, but Trent's defensive issues are a clear problem, especially when the team isn't doing well. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, okay, great example. The team ain't doing well, but Robertson ain't having a great season. He ain't having his best season, but he's not seen as a liability. The team ain't doing well, but Robertson is still doing okay. Do you get what I'm saying? We're not looking at him like, oh, he's a liability or he can't defend. No, he's still able to do his job, which is why Robertson's been one of the best left backs or one of the best fullbacks in, you know, of the last five years. Because what he's what he's been given attacking wise, he equally has been given defensively. So yeah, there's that. <clears throat> Let me just go through a couple more responses. Um The games evolved, it's not two thousands. When attacking fullbacks are dictating games or creating most of the chances, defender has to come second. I'm not going to lie. That's what someone said to me. And I said in response to that, I can't lie, this is wild for me. Defender for me always has to come first. I'm not even saying he has to be the best, but when it's time to do the primary job of defending, you want you want them to be competent. Hence why he doesn't start for England, which is what I was just saying here. Like Defender should always come first as a defender. I get the era that we're in or whatever, but when it comes down to it, you're not always going to, you know, dominate games for your entire career. You're not always going to be in places where, you know, you never have to defend. Even when you look at, oh, even when you look at the Marcelos, people say Marcelo couldn't defend. But when he was called upon, he, he, was, he was competent. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ashley Cole, one of the best attacking fullbacks, he was one of, yeah, one of the best attacking fullbacks. He was still doing his job as defending, as a defender. Like, I don't know. It's, I, I just see football very differently in it. And if I'm being outrageous, if I'm being too harsh, then let me know. I don't feel like I am. I definitely don't feel like I am. But you guys, again, just like I said, just let me know. And um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that. Honourable shout-outs to some of the um, transfers that have gone through. Matt Doherty to Atletico. Didn't see that one coming. He's probably 
biting at that. He's probably chomping, thinking, yeah, yeah, what a move. Like, he's buzzing. I know he must be buzzing. From Tottenham, who are underperforming, who he's not He's not a starter, he's not um, first choice all the time and you know, in and out of the team, to then go to Atletico, who are, you know, Champions League pedigree team. And I know Tottenham have been in the Champions League, but they're not Champions League pedigree. They're not Champions League regulars, like performing at a high level like Atletico to play under, you know, Simeone. And I know it's not the same Atletico as years gone by, but he's probably looking at that thinking, what a move. So fair play to him. Uh, John Joe Shelby to um, Nottingham Forest. That's a good move for him. That's a good move for um, Nottingham Forest. I think, I think he brings in the quality needed to to upgrade them i think him playing in the team um playing in the team with morgan gibbs right who is an absolute player by the way um john joe shelby you got um oh my gosh what's his name what's his name koyate in there um yeah it's it's a it's a very 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 good buy for, for them and it's a good move for him for whatever reason he's not seeing game time at newcastle not even part of the squad at time, I know he's been injured, but I'm I'm assuming he's back from there. Hope, um, hence why he's signed for, um, hence why he's signed for Nottingham Forest. But you know, honourable shout out. I think it's going to be a good move for him. And also, an interesting one actually is Kaylor Navas potentially going to Nottingham Forest as well. At it's seven thirty one right now. They've not confirmed it, but I know they still want that. And I know Dean Henderson is injured, but I'm seeing he's only injured for three or four weeks. So my thing is, you know, if he is this, I think that if they get Kalo Navas and Dean Henderson comes back in three or four weeks, something in me still says Kalo Navas will still, you know, stay in goal. I don't see this Dean Henderson that everyone else sees who they wanted to, to displace, you know, David De Gea and be Man United's number one. I don't see that from um I don't see that from from this Dean Henderson. And you know, if I'm wrong then but I, I I don't know. But I think if he's only out for three, four weeks, you play your backup keeper for three, four weeks. But them going after Kalo Navas on loan, I think it's them saying he's an upgrade, he's better, and Dean Henderson needs to sit down. But I might be wrong about that again. But I don't think I am. Um, what else? What else? What else is there? Listen, VAR, yeah, is... I know we've had... We've spoken about VAR before, but I just want to talk about Fabinho's challenge the other day on Ferguson um, against Brighton. Listen, I felt bad for him because it wasn't purposely done. But even even so, it was naughty. It was bad. And he knew straight away, and he knew he bust case. He knew he got away with it because you could see, you could see straight. Away, he was like, ah, and as he was walking back, he was shaking his head because he thought he thought VAR was going to overturn it and give him a red, and he should. And VAR, the the referee association, whoever they are, they've come out today and said, oh yeah, he should have got a red card for that, and it was a mistake. But this is like the second, third, or whatever time season that these things have come out like we need to sort it out do you get what I'm saying because some of these challenges aren't great the one on Ericsson the other day wasn't great 
and we just need VAR to, you know, stamp it out and um, fix up. And I just wanted to complain about that very quickly. And um, another honourable shout out to, is it Reem? Rem? How do you pronounce him? Is it Rem? Reem? In France, who are currently flying with um, with Balogun, um, with Fuller Balogun up front. And um, their manager, Will Steele, I think his name is, he's 30 years old and he's doing wonders with them. But the interesting thing is, Number one, that he learned how to manage playing football manager in his own words, which I'm here for and I'm loving it because I sometimes, when I was playing football manager, I need to get back on it. When I was playing football manager, I used to think, I can do this as well. Do you know what I mean? That's number one. Number two, what I'm loving is the fact that he hasn't achieved his coaching badges. And for that reason, every time he plays, every time Rem play a match with him under control, they're fined £22,000 because he doesn't have his coaching badges. And what I love is that they're backing him properly. They're backing him knowing that they're going to have to pay money like that. They're still forking out the money to, to pay because he's doing a great job. And there was a tweet in regards to that that I saw on Twitter. Um, and, it, and it said, as soon as I get Twitter open... It said how... Oh, sugar, I probably missed it. Um, oh, well, Iosi Perez has gone back to... Um, oh, there it is. Iosi Perez has gone back to Spain. Surprised at that, that Leicester let him go. So, it said... So, so the tweet come from one of these football accounts saying, Reams, Rems, I don't know how to pronounce it, sorry are fined 22,000 per game every time they play under their manager. Will still... Oh, no, no. Rems are fined 22,000 pounds per game every time they play under their manager, Will still, due to him not having his pro license yet. They are currently unbeaten in 12 league games under him and drew 1-1 away at PSG last night. Superb. Right. So, James Shaw, big you up, my guy. Goalkeeper for Tooting and Mitchin. Um... They're only firing him because he's making a mockery of the money-making coaching bad system that every FA uses to rinse aspiring coaches. More people that believe, more people that believe they can do it their own way, the more people that will not pay the ludicrous FA fees. And I'm here for that. I, I think that is spot on. You know, anytime that um, these FAs and these governing bodies feel like, you know, they can make money, you know, f from these people, they're going to do it. So... You know, that was spot on and I just wanted to, to just mention that. Um, but I think that is actually it for me. That is actually it for today. I recorded, I wasn't going to, but I was a bit annoyed at the, at the front end of this podcast because of all the Jorginho stuff <laughs> and whatnot. But um, yeah, man. Guys, that's it for me. Keep liking, subscribing, sharing. Um Check out the documentary, Son of the Soil. Get in the comments. Just comment, comment, comment. I can't highlight that enough. Comment, comment, comment. And um, also, El Nenny's out. I don't know if I mentioned that, but El Nenny's injured for an extended period. So now that he's gone and Jorginho's in, even, listen, let me not even, let me not even, even get back to that because I'll just get annoyed. But yeah, guys, I am out.